Dad Bod Rap Pod back another week, another fly program. My name is Damone Carter, aka Dim One. I am joined in the Hollywood Squares on my left by Mr. Nate Big Game LeBlanc. How's it going? He on mute. See, that's the new. I gotta unmute you. I have the power to mute Nate. Sorry, guys. Let's just go with no for that. Um, <laughs> and I'm doing well. Thank you for asking. I actually got caught up for a second, both on mute and wrapping up my workday. So uh, super into this and happy to be here. Awesome. We appreciate, we appreciate you showing up. Um, and below me, um, always in prison garb for some reason, <laughs> uh, is Mr. David Ma. How's it going? Hey, going well. Below you? What the fuck does that mean? No, um, um, I don't make the Zoom boxes, bro. This is, how they, this is the orientation. So we have a power pack program for y'all today. We have some uh, dope interviews lined up. And Nate LeBlanc astutely pointed out earlier today in our, in our chat thread that Dad Bod Rap Pod is becoming like a a Wu-Tang of punditry. Um, he said that Dave was you, God. And <laughs> I was... <laughs> we all know that Dave, in the punditry Wu-Tang analogy, Dave is... Uh, I'm Papa Wu, obviously. Obviously. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I am Shaheen, the rugged child. Um... So yeah, we, we've started to amass a, a really uh, kind of cool clique of hip hop thinkers and people who comment and consume the culture like we do. Today we are joined um, for an interesting conversation uh, about the rapper Paris, who I know for some of y'all will have to clarify who that is, but um, on the line all the way from Canada, which has a functional government, I believe. We have, yeah, yeah. he's like, man, maybe. Yeah, we have uh, <laughs> Satch, you might know him as Sun Ra, has written a, a lot of stuff for Passion of the Weiss and other places. Welcome to the program. Yo, glad to be back, guys. Yeah. Yeah, semi-functional government, semi-functional. Uh, I'm, I'm in the worst hit city in Canada right now, so uh, shout out to our, uh, our exceptional government. Just doing a great job. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> yeah, there it we, is. Uh, our county is a hot spot as well so it's just it's just a, the worst feeling yeah like, great awesome but uh you know we're surviving you, you doing well yeah i'm doing well i mean we went out to the took, took a walk to the park this weekend and tried to keep two you know six feet away from everyone and managed it so that was great Okay. Uh, you know, I'm sheltering in place with my girlfriend and it's gone really well, which okay. is, it's one of those things where like, Hey, like this is miserable, but not because of us. So. Right. <laughs> For other reasons. Yeah, exactly. That's a good no, Everything's good. Listening to a lot of music, a lot of, a lot of rap music, a lot of non-rap music. And yeah, I think that's how we ended up on, on Paris. Cause you guys did the Tupac episode. And I think I just tweeted like Tupac was cool. Like early Tupac <laughs> was cool, but. Paris is what you want to I was just flexing my nerd muscle there oh totally and like we we did the same thing on the show and it's actually funny if we're gonna get into it like I, I'm kind of here to back off my my thing like I did not really enjoy listening to Paris this week <laughs> I was doing my research and I was like uh kind of pedantic kind mm. of cold 
um, no fun. Like I really wanted to be like, everyone's missing out. Paris is so great. This is lost shit from the nineties that should come back. And now I'm kind of like, there's nothing here that Tupac or ice cube didn't do better. And like, wasn't like, so, uh, yeah, I'm just going to keep using the term pedantic. I feel like I was getting yelled at over like 808 beats. Like, which actually sounded really (laughs) modern. Yeah. I'm just like, and there's nothing. uh, What's wrong with that? Uh, (laughs) now I'm wondering which one you listen to. Cause he's got, like, admittedly, when I posted that, it's I have one specific Paris album that I go back to all the time, and I'm like, that's all I really need from him because it's just everything he does is on his first on his first album, The Devil Made Me Do It. Right. Yeah. But right. I never thought about it as I mean, like Chuck D is is obviously like a huge influence, but I always thought he sounded like he took Chuck D's politics, but he did it with like kind of a Rakim flow or a DOC flow. Ah, that's that's interesting. I, I listened to the first two in total, and then I listened to a lot of the Conscious Daughters uh, record that he produced, produced yeah. mm-hmm. uh, single-handedly, I believe. There were no yeah. other credits, and I actually liked that way more. <laughs> I think that just says more about me and what I want to listen to these days. I'm Nate like, is, a, is a real, like, mob music uh, aficionado, and so I, I, I really was, enjoy that sound. Yeah. Yeah. So that the definitely conscious daughters was more of the mob music barrier sound. But the reason I got excited about this conversation is obviously uh, Paris being um, a Bay area rapper who I don't feel gets his proper kind of credit. There was a time um, maybe maybe I'm just a little bit older, but there was a time where Paris and what Public Enemy was doing, they were viewed as kind of on a similar plane. At mm-hmm. least that's how I got to Paris. Like, oh, this is like a Public Enemy type of sound and bent politically, but it also had this kind of uh, Bay Area flavor to it. A little bit mob music, not so much on Devil Made Me Do It. And like but- direct oakland ties to black pantherism right Straight up. with yeah. chuck d it's a different kind of school of thought yeah he, and, um he went to uc davis davis right right yeah. so he's is that not- where the shadow thing comes from because shadow famously got his start producing on uh paris's second album sleeping right with right oh. and i think a couple yeah. beats off of the the follow-up album as well but yeah i think they linked up it had something to do with that I, when I interviewed you were at Shadow, like an agriculture conference or something. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I, I definitely, I think a, the, the thing about Paris is this, he had the authoritarian tone of Chuck D uh, to Sun Ra's point. The, the flow wasn't uh, quite as cartoonish. It was a little bit more like your dad's talking to you uh, about, you know, uh, Black Panther stuff. But um, I think the other piece that gave Paris real traction in the Bay Area is The Devil Made Me Do It and Break the Grip of Shame were huge in dance circles. Mm. Because he was, he was operating at that tempo, uh, because of the 808s and all that. So if you were part of the hip-hop dance um, kind of scene around that time, which was really big back then, um, it was great to go to like, house parties and dance competitions and hear like nation of islam rap kind of like bellowing out the speakers so there was a time and place for it nate i I get you you could go back and say a lot of the more uh pro-black afrocentric stuff of that time had a similar tone you listen to lakim shabazz or something you're gonna you're getting preached Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. i just feel like uh 
he's a craftsman like his his albums are really well made especially because it's like a single guy auteur thing like he produced he owned the record label he rapped it was his business it was his life like i came away with it with like a deep abiding respect for him as a craftsman and i do think he's underrated in the current because he's kind of forgotten now which i think is kind of why we wanted to talk about it and sasha i'll kick it to you next i I would love to hear what you uh, like kind of what led you to him? We we grew up around here, so yeah, yeah. Ether, how you get it in Canada? Yeah, like how <laughs> did you kind of come to him, and where where did you end up like kind of ranking him, if if you will? Um, I mean, I came to him through DJ Shadow interviews, which I think if you weren't around at the time, actually, you know what? I might have actually heard about him because he like around the time that Sister Soldier had that whole thing with Bill yeah. Clinton. Like, there was a lot of people that were getting heat. And then, you you know, you'd get media exposure, they'd get covered, and then the controversy would get covered. I heard about him vaguely around then, but, like, I, I got to his music through Shadow. And I think I listened, the first one I listened to was his second album, just because I wanted to hear Shadow Beats. And I, I felt pretty much um, like you did, Nate. Like, I was like, okay, this is, this is cool. It's, you know, I, I, I generally agree with the politics, but I'm like not someone who listens to a ton of political music that I already agree with. I don't like right. listening to political pundits that I already agree with. Like, I'm convinced it's, I don't need to be reaffirmed. But then I went back to The Devil Made Me Do It maybe a couple of years ago. And it goes back to what Damone uh, was saying. It's just really great dance beats, which I did not expect from a political guy at all. Mm-hmm. and. As I DJ, um, not really so much hip hop because there's a lot of hip hop DJs and that's a whole other scene, but I DJ dance music, but I love to put in hip hop, whether it's grime or whether it's just anything that, any way that I can sneak in rap music into a dance set, that's a win for me because it's, you know, you stand out and it's different and I'm entertaining myself. Right. And he's got these, these tracks uh, where he's like at 123 BPM And one of the things that it got me thinking of is nowadays you have like this whole Detroit Oakland connection, Detroit Bay connection where people are saying like you had a lot of people going from one to the other, even back in the two short days and his beats almost kind of remind me of techno, like just that early yeah, black Detroit techno, which was Mm -hmm. just kind of these drum machines with like these bass lines, And, you know, obviously you have these big mob bass lines that we've been talking about. And I just thought it was really interesting, you know, that you, you know, there's obviously like no, I have no proof that there's any connection there, but it fits in together. And yeah, I, you know, at the end of the day, I just think it's a dope record and kind of going back to what you're saying about him being for not forgotten, but like kind of underrated all the East coast guys like Chuck D and even like Kim Shabazz, you know, they get that East coast love. Like there's a whole community dedicated to making sure that, you don't forget about any of those guys. Mm-hmm. But Paris, like, I feel he almost slips in between because he's not like an E40 right. where tons of people are saying like, oh, yeah, I grew up on that guy. But he was in the same, like, era. Yeah. Sure. Right. I mean, when he came out, I remember first thinking, yo, this is some stuff from the – well, I didn't even know it was from the Bay when I first heard it. Mm. And, uh, you know, it's one, of, it's one of those when I was like, yo, um, th- it's – I love Too Short, of course, but Too Short's just rapping about his life and rhyming dick with bitch. Like, this was the first <laughs> Bay Area rap music that felt like he would, they were trying to say 
something. You know what I mean? Mm. And years later, you know, I always loved the uh, Son of Berserk album, or at least the beats. I don't. It probably hasn't aged that well. But Paris always felt to me like Son of um, Public Enemy, of course. So yeah. um, uh, to, you, to your point, I love the sort of industrial sounding beats. I want to go back and listen to Sleeping with the Enemy because I don't know. I, I don't know how it'll re- resonate with me now, but I don't know about the vocals, like Nate was saying. I don't like being yelled at. But the the dance the dance uh, dancey beats sound very interesting. Yeah, almost well, early on the album, he's like he calls out the use of the eight oh eight, and he kind of like mm-hmm. sets the tone for what he's going to do. And that's like I think it's like I used the kind of film metaphor earlier that it's like an auteur album, but it's it's almost like an essayist's album as well. Mm-hmm. It's like he he tells you what he's going to tell you, and then he tells you for like. <laughs> 12 songs yes. and then he tells you what he told, what he you. told you you know right. what i mean and it's like i don't know it just it just struck me as kind of um outdated i guess and that's right. fine sure. it, it, it it resides in the past um i i have to say and we've talked about this somewhat on the show it's kind of a common topic of conversation and i think a lot of people don't get enough credit for what they're doing now but like this guy wanted to like literally assassinate george hw bush right well the cover of the album like a quaint yeah afterthought like oh he was just head of the cia we got much bigger problems now um where is this energy for trump like is paris on twitter like (laughs) well it reminds me of when they they changed where they changed the the cover of the coup album right you know with the the towers burning up right this paris the cover of the paris album where he's hiding behind a tree with a gun about to shoot george bush no one said anything it's kind of weird like the the coup kind of retained their like folk heroy thing even though like aligning yourselves with the world trade center bombing seems like it would be the worst possible pr move and i'm sure it was in a lot of ways it's kind of it's like ah boots he's so revolutionary paris it just seems serious like it's (laughs) i think because of the tone of the record it's very dark and like basically and like um assassin like where well, definitely. is like a, a it's the end of the world party you know right what I mean? right well it and it and that works perfectly with the sort of industrial sound of it you know what i mean um you don't want like flowery beats <laughs> and and like even though the, those are dance beats but it's it's stripped down to to sort of like detroit techno you know what i mean I think my my thing too. I was gonna say sorry Sasha just yeah, one last ahead. thing is like it sounds like the first five or six tracks that the the uh, bomb squad would then build like twenty more tracks <laughs> on, top <laughs> on top of you know yeah. what I mean so yep. I just had to throw that I think the thing with those beats is like I like them we can like them but after the chronic hit anyone who stayed kind of in that up tempo like noisy lane like it was they got forgotten in a way because like you right. look at ghetto boys they started that way but then mm-hmm. they had like scarface had mike dean and even the coup i mean their beats were really funky so it's like you could right. keep saying like obviously like i find they had more humor like boots is a yeah. really different mm-hmm. mc yeah. but like in terms of like what he's advocating it's not a million miles from it but he made it fit over like music you could barbecue to like you could put this on at a house party but you can't put it on at a barbecue right what's what's uh paris's uh me and jesus the pimp in a 79 granada you know what i mean like there's no like no there's no um i don't know uh relief it's yeah like, yeah look it keeps it's hitting you with it it's like it's, yeah 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 i get it black panthers okay okay i gotcha <laughs> it's one of those things where you know it's all about time and context so um for instance if you go back and you look at spike lee's earliest films to make a metaphor 
he was coming through the door and he had to make certain statements because black people were not in film like that. So he was like, I'm gonna have this character. If you look at it now, you could be like, ah, he weighed the narrative down with, with too many of this or too many of that. But when you're the kind of initially coming in the door, uh, he had to bring his message. And I think Paris was doing that, like at a time where you hadn't heard that a thousand times. Paris has a song that gives you the Black Panthers 12 point program. That's why I learned about the Black Panthers 12 point <laughs> program, right? Like that is, so yeah, does it knock in a, in a modern way? Maybe not, like you had, some of that you had to be there, but their artists like a Paris or even like the coup as we mentioned, um, their politics and the way they brought them through the door was at the time incredibly new and incredibly like, oh my God, you know, Chuck D, I'll say this, Chuck D's lyrics, even to a person who was paying close attention, are a little, you gotta read them and you gotta kind of a little bit know what he's talking about. Paris was a little bit more straightforward. Mm -hmm. Like, mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? And then I'll tell you what he's gonna tell you. Tell you what he told you. That's right. At 123 BPMs. Um, but I, I do feel like uh, his branching into producing for Conscious Daughters is his kind of sole link to almost the current Bay moment. And Conscious Daughters is probably underrated in terms of Bay. They weren't around for a long time. I have to say, uh, Funky Expedition, I think I had like the single when I was a kid. I really liked that song when I was a kid. But listening to the rest of the album today, I was like, one, these people can really rap. And two, um, it's just so much more personality. Like, I don't know who it's Paris fine. is. Nope. You know what I mean? I know right. it's a sense and what he wants me to know. But right. I don't know anything about, like, is, where is he? From? Uh, you know what I mean? There's He's no just wearing Scarface. camouflage. I mean. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> or, or all black. Yeah. Right. With yeah. Scarface, right. You, you get to... He's Brad. Also, well, he gave you, you know what I mean? I mean? Yeah, yeah, but that came after a while. <laughs> he'll, yeah. he'll give you yeah. a fix. You know. <laughs> I, I mean, I feel at the same time. Scarface. Those first couple of Ghetto Boys records, like I didn't really know who Scarface was. I like I thought that he might stab me over like some horror <laughs> movie strings. Right. But until until you get to the like when you get to the Diary, like then you start to even the Diary. It's like I was going through that one. And I thought it'd be really funny to like just count every use of the word "fuck" in that album because oh, like, wow. it was off. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I love like the entire Scarface back catalog. Get yeah. well soon, face like mm -hmm. gotta shout him out. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, and yeah. and I feel I feel like uh, with any album that you're gonna go back to, I don't know. Let's say pre-Chronic era, right? It's all about context. It's all about the context you bring to it. Uh, the form was still being worked on and perfected. Um, Paris is not coming in. He kind of takes from Public Enemy, but there were groups and artists who did that much more blatantly and much. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? He brought his own thing to it. And so I think whenever you go back, if I were to say go back and listen to Paris, you got to do it almost from an archaeologist kind of standpoint. You know, if you hold it up to what's going on now, I don't really feel like that's a fair comparison or starting point to understand what he was doing. Yeah, and and like like I said up top, like I wanted because of what we were talking about earlier and how I thought this was gonna go it to be one way, and just like while I was listening to it, I felt another way. It's also like a beautiful weekend. I'm under quarantine for the first time in my life. Like I'm drinking right. a beer. I'm like 
I don't, I don't need a lesson this weekend. You know what I mean? So I'm, mm-hmm. I'm saying like, I'm kind of nothing about Paris changed. I changed, you know what I mean? My needs right, as a right. listener changed. Um, but I think, um, it, it is worth listening to. And I just wanted to propose something and I'm curious what you guys think of it. I would say the biggest thing that's happened for Paris in the past, probably little like hip hop moment is Eminem wearing one of those weird homemade shirts he mm-hmm, wears mm-hmm. with the, with the right. cover on it. Right. It's like, if anybody has heard of Paris that like, from that world that's probably where they heard it from and i have to say that's one cool thing that eminem has continued to do like mm-hmm. straight down the line of his career is like big up the the people from hip-hop's past and it's right. always those like little kind of niche mcs mcs which Wait, is there's your uh, there's a rapper going after trump because didn't he do that one freestyle for bet and then it they sent the that, secret service to his place. Or that something. is a very right. good point. If right. one person had to do it, we picked the worst guy, but yeah. they, he did it. It's, <laughs> it's Nipsey and YG and Eminem have really made like songs going after Trump and really trying to like ca- capture that kind of revolutionary spirit. But, 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 but maybe uh, to your point, such it's like uh, the moment to go for a president has kind of come and gone. I feel like it's the same thing about cop anti-cop records. Hip hop has done so many mm. that it's kind of now it's kind of like, well, it's, it's a little bit old hat. I mean, in peace, yeah. pulling out my ray gun, you know what I mean? Like hip hop been on that, but I feel like uh, it's lost some of its um, energy or authenticity uh, because there was at the time when Paris was doing this, when the coup was kind of doing their thing in response to 9-11, it, it felt still dangerous. When Eminem did it, it was like, you kind of wrapped Donald Trump with toaster oven. Like, ah, right, I get it. I get right, it. Right. Everybody's bagging on him. It's not a big deal. Like, mm-hmm. didn't seem. I, I think our politics are also like, it's more complicated now. And so that doesn't lend itself to song form. Like you look yeah. like back in the day, like, I mean, you, you still can't do cop records because it's still black and white when someone gets assaulted or God forbid shot or whatever. Right. And you can make a song about it because it's real easy. But if you're talking about like, oh, well, we've got to solve like, you know, food deserts. Like, how do you write a song about that? Right. Unless you're like MF Doom or something. And even he does it like kind of as a... Kind mm, of a food deserts? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, I was going to like open this with a joke and be like, cause I just listened to like two straight hours of it. Basically yesterday I was be like, do you guys think Paris likes the police? <laughs> it's like, so he is, it's so anti-cop. Like it's so hardcore but anti-cop. He doesn't like, even like right, whispering. Dude. <laughs> but it's so early. It's kind of like hip hop has been hating cops since the early nineties. So it's, it's yeah. hard to make a really yeah. impactful anti-cop record now because it's it's just been done to death and there i don't know that there's anything would we say uh, jd's uh fuck the police is the last good anti-cop record wow okay mm. all right dad bod rap pod at dad bod rap pod <laughs> is, is jd's uh fuck the police the last great anti-cop record I'm not saying you can't make one. I think it just has become a trope that has been woven into everything. You say fuck 12. Like, it's obviously fuck going. cops. Yeah, yeah totally. Yeah. yeah. Just keep going. Um, so Paris, you should check it out. Uh, pray for Paris. Pray for Paris. <laughs> uh, it's burning. You should, check, you should check it out. 
it's a it's an interesting record. It's definitely of its time. Uh, so mm -hmm. in the same yeah. way that you go and watch a '70s movie and know it ain't gonna have special effects, like this is right. this is yeah. definitely one of those. But hopefully, um, you know, he can get uh, a little bit, you know, like the Eminem thing. If he can be rediscovered by some folks, um, mm -hmm. I didn't know about this shadow thing though. So now, oh I'm yeah, like, oh. you check the check the. Discogs or the producer notes on the second album. He's just credited as Shadow, not DJ Shadow. And that's that okay. was Shadow's foot in the door. That was his like calling card, essentially how he got signed to Hollywood Basic right. for his earliest twelves. And that, that huh. hit the whole Shadow thing flows. You know, um, the one thing that was interesting was um, I when I interviewed DJ Shadow for my uh, Wax Poetics piece, he mentioned Paris, and we had a long discussion just about that. And one thing I was like, "Yo, can you tell me something about Paris that most people don't know?" And he's like, you're not going to believe this, but he's the funniest motherfucker. He's always really? dissing me. He's always capping on me and he's full of right. jokes. And I'm like, Paris? Yeah. You know, isn't he like sending back his food all pissed off? Right. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Dave, I appreciate you always like bringing the primary sources into it and like undercutting the entire narrative <laughs> we've crafted. Uh, it's like, actually, I really do. I wish there was a little bit of that in there and maybe in the later records because I didn't stick around. I didn't do the whole catalog. Um, but while we have our guest here, I would love to ask, Sash, what are you listening to? Like, what's kind of on your radar these days? Like, what's in, like, the, the rappy more side of things? Like, what's floating your boat these days? I mean, on the rap side of things, like, probably a lot that everyone here is listening to. Obviously, the West Side Gun album is fantastic. Pray for Paris. Boldy James and Alchemist. Um, the new Ka is outstanding. Oh, and so Outstanding. Good. It's probably is, I mean, my fate, like I'm always going to have my favorite is the Knight's Gambit, but it's uh, probably. You like chess more than the Bible? I'm playing chess every day <laughs> with yeah. my girl right now. Do you right play now. chess? I, I don't, but we started because quarantine. Oh, yeah. we should battle. Nice. I play chess. <laughs> oh, you're going to whip my ass. <laughs> <laughs> well, then let's go. Let's go. <laughs> no, I'll play for sure. Yeah. Um, on a, a little bit, you know, more left to the left of that, um, this grime artist called Manga St. Hilaire, who I sent it to, I think Nate. That was me. That was really interesting. He's got an album called Make It Out Alive, which I think, you know, listeners of the show would really like because it's like he, he takes a look at his life. He grew up like basically in the equivalent of the projects and he was like a nerdy kid and he was surrounded by all, all the stuff you'd kind of expect. And he takes this really introspective look at his life and how he got to where he is, which is basically an indie artist, but in another country. And uh, yeah, that one's uh, strongly recommended. And uh, I guess for anyone who wants a summer album from kind of the same world, uh, Jay Huss, Big Conspiracy, it's just great barbecue music. I can't wait for it to be not awful weather here so I can actually yeah. have an excuse to play it. Nice. Yeah, that came out right at the top of the year, right? I feel like people were really excited about that when it dropped. I have no idea why he dropped it in January. <laughs> I, I guess he thought like, oh, it'll go straight into summer. Everyone's going to be having a good time. Nope. Right. Yeah, not <laughs> but, so much. Uh, <laughs> but it's still a really good record. I mean, it's, you know, if you want to hear like those vibey Drake records, but don't want to listen to Drake and just go to the person that he's kind of biting, just listen to that one. That's funny. <laughs> Is he young? I don't like know anything about him. Um, 
I'm like not super up on his biography, but yeah, he's like in his twenties tops. Okay. He did a bid. He got caught with a knife and he did a bid and then he came out and he had all this like first day out hype. Okay. And mm. this is kind of his like, Oh, I'm out, but I'm reflecting on my life and trying to not go back in kind of nice, but he's got a coffee that Jamaican girl who won like the best reggae Grammy. And uh, I think he's got burn boy on there. The Nigerian guy. It's like, it's kind of like this world beat black diaspora kind of album. And uh, yeah, just kind of chill, I guess. Nice. Cool. Like if you're like, it's the opposite of a Paris album. Let's put it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's fun to listen to. Yeah. It covers multiple topics. Are you working on any writing projects, man? Yeah, actually, I've got a series at Passion of the Weiss now that's going all year, assuming I don't give up on it. But so far, so good. It's called uh, 2020 Vision, mm. and I'm taking a look at 12-ish projects because, like, the ne- the the one that's coming out in May is actually going to be a two for one. So I'm doing a comparison, but it's uh, 12 albums from the year 2000 that kind of uh, set the tone for the year. Most of them are hip hop. Some of them are not. Uh, January did uh, three, six mafia when the smoke clears Mm. Um, February. I did did a drum and bass album. I think that was March. Anyways, this week, April's coming out. It's a bit late. I'm doing Quasimodo the unseen. Oh, cool. Okay. So that's coming out um doing these beat battles so that's going on making some beats um my mixcloud mixcloud.com slash s-o-n-r-e-w i put up this really weird like all genre mix on there during quarantine because that's going crazy yeah it's yeah, super just, good man that's like your your mega mix steez was just it's like ideas 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 it was so cool yeah thank you i um I was going like slightly and like I literally thought like shit this thing is gonna kill me and I'm gonna die and I've got to get this out before and like then after that I was like I'm probably not gonna die but I'm stuck (laughs) in the house yeah (laughs) that's awesome man we we appreciate you coming on giving us um just the wild northern perspective uh we we gotta have you back on this program again uh at some point because we have diametrically opposed uh, views on Jay-Z's catalog. Okay. So I haven't had time to do a back forth, but I'm like, man. Uh, So maybe someday we'll do a, we'll do a a Jay-Z extravaganza. I'd be down because I'm not going to lie. When you called me in for Paris, I was like, yeah, sure. Absolutely. And I was like, shit, I haven't listened to that much of this guy's stuff. <laughs> <laughs> That's Same. what punditry is all about. Making long uh, comments on things that you kind of know about. Uh, <laughs> but we appreciate you coming on the program, man. Uh, definitely keep mixing, writing. We love the beats as well, man. So just, yeah, thanks all around. For sure. Thanks for having me on and great work as always. I've been loving like kind of the interaction, the stuff with the uh, call out culture too, because those are my boys as well. And uh, Thanks dude. That yeah, was really fun. It, we, uh, it took so much longer than we wanted it to, but I appreciate the shout out. And uh, for people listening, that was last week's episode. So go get caught up. <laughs> right. You late. For sure, man. All right. Thanks, man. All right. Take care. Have a good one. All right. Peace. Peace. Peace.
Dad Bod Rap Pod, back again. Uh, another week in quarantine, another dope interview. Uh, with us in Zoom world, we have LA-based producer, Anna Moss. How's it going? What's good, y'all? How you doing? I'm good, man. Just yeah. uh, hanging in there, you know, burning it down Sunday. <laughs> mm-hmm. I heard that, man. Um, so a lot of our listeners uh, are probably familiar with the work you did with Rock Marciano, as well as your uh, collaborative project with Ka, um, Hermit, and the Recluse. But your kind of uh, producer pedigree goes back further than that. You want to talk a little bit about kind of how you got into the game and, and kind of how you, you, you cut your teeth in the, in the hip-hop world? Yeah, I mean, it goes back further. Like, I started a long time ago. I was with my friends. We were, like, part of a group called the Druids, um, which had, like, different phases. Um, it was, like, a rap group with a few of my friends that were, like, rappers. And one of my friends, producer and DJ, kind of like a crew of people. And then, you know, as time went on, like, people stopped rapping or just going doing other things in life or just doing less music and we just narrowed it down to druids just as like producers mm-hmm. but like um bef- like while we were doing the druid stuff it was like or that was so long it feels like another lifetime ago i don't even like i wasn't even really using my animos name then because i was like you know what i'm still getting better i gotta reach like a certain level to be like you know use that name almost i was kind of like a little like apprehensive about using it okay mm-hmm. Okay. So then, so then we did a project like back then called like Brothers Bent, which was like kind of like a side project that was, I was, we were working on like a Druids record with my friends and stuff like that. And it kind of just didn't, never panned out like an early Druids record. And then we just did like a side project called Brothers Bent, which was like a very, you know, underground, it was like MySpace era kind of uh, deal. And it, it kind of, it like kind of did some things though. It definitely like helped us out at that time. It was kind of, that was like a whole different era of hip hop, I feel like in LA and in the world in general, because it, there wasn't as much social media going on. It was kind of just getting started. Mm-hmm. The, 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 the whole like rap world was so um, far apart from commercial to underground where there was no like kind of middle ground. And so I feel like as time went on, there's more, of you know, things have gotten closer together. But that time, it was like you were either super anti-radio or you were like down for, you know, radio stuff. It was kind mm-hmm. of, it seemed like a little much of a middle ground at that, that time, you know. But then things moved on. And, you know, on the Brothers Bent record, it was a long time ago. But, you know, I was a huge Rock Marcy fan at that time. So, like, if you ever, if, if anyone's familiar with that, like, like half of the hooks are like rock Marcy, like DJ scratches and shit. <laughs> like we basically just used him as a feature for hooks and like without even, without even, without even like knowing him, you know what I mean? And then, you know, and I don't, it, as time went on, I mean, we ended up, I ended up meeting him and working with him for, you know, a long ass time, but that was all kind of, it was a very interesting and process, but you know, we're here today that's dope what go for it okay go ahead go ahead dude (laughs) all right nate sorry about that um you know uh you touched 
a little bit on uh, Rock Marcy and obviously um, a lot of your production credits that uh, some cats might have first heard uh, of you from has been uh, with Rock. Um, how did you guys link up? You, I know you briefly touched on it, but I mean, how, how did you guys link up and how, how, how is it working with them? So we linked up like before, before uh, Marshburg. Okay. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Which, in, in fact, if you listen to Marsberg on the last song, he's got a song where he's like, yo, he's like, Animas, I got like my little shout out on the Oh, Marsberg word. Album. Okay. I was always, when that came out, I was always so stoked on that. Like, <laughs> I was like, like, oh, you know, I got the shout out on Marsberg. But, um, yeah. What happened was, I was, like I said, I was doing the Brothers Band records. We were very um, much a fan of him and instrumentals and all that stuff he was doing at that time mm-hmm. or a little before but then he kind of like was i don't know he couldn't find people like it wasn't very like he didn't have a myspace at that time and what happened was um a friend of mine like me and me and our fr- my friend we um tried to find him like online and like he didn't have a myspace he didn't have there was no real way to get in touch with him so it just Googled stuff and then ended up coming across a guy named, I think his name was Word Smith. And he's actually, you know, like from, I think it was Baltimore. And he was like, there we found some interview and he was like, yeah, my cousin, you know, Rock Marcy raps and we have some stuff coming out. And it was like literally his cousin. <laughs> and um, at the time we were doing this Brothers Ben stuff and we could do these shows around LA, like we were doing stuff at like Temple Bar, like in Santa Monica and stuff like that. And a lot of people were coming out um, when we would do these shows. And so we were able to like get in contact with his cousin and we're like, yo, we'd love to like book you for a show if you could like put us in touch with your cousin Rock too. We'd, <laughs> we'd book both of y'all like, you know, and do a show with you guys in LA if that, you know if there's any way to work that out. And he's like, yeah, I can talk to Rock. I'll, I'll call him or whatever. And then we ended up getting in touch with him through his cousin. And they came out to LA. And um, the first time he came out was like, they came out, um, it was like Rock and like Dino Brave from the UN. I don't know if mm. you're familiar with the mm-hmm. UN. Mm-hmm. But Dino Brave is, you know, he's the man. So like they both came out and then did this show like a bunch of people came out um and uh at that time i think he had like a few days out here and he was like well i'm out here he's like why don't we just do some songs or whatever and we did like i think like three songs like okay um like one of them was was called warm hennessy and one of them was called i don't know there's like some 45s around do the honors is one of them it's like a there's like 45 around is that um and so yeah and then after that you know we did that i think we did like maybe like one or two more shows and then every time he was out here we were like working on he was like yo you got some beats and y'all could you know so we just kept doing songs and then after that it just kept you know building and building um and that's really that was like that was the introduction you know and then he just kept beats kept getting better he kept getting better and he was just like yeah i want to keep you involved in these projects and i was like oh hell yeah let's go <laughs> you know 
which was awesome. Yeah. So crazy because it's like the only rap at the time is like i mean of course you want to work with you know a bunch of people but you know rock was like the main guy I was like yo okay I, I would love to meet rock work with, work with rock <laughs> crazy and then you know and that was like you know he gave me a copy of marshburg maybe like a year before it came out so that i was worked. like i was riding wow. around la listening to marshburg like, yo this shit is crazy <laughs> and then when it came out you know it's like it did what it did, but it was like that was like ahead of its time, you know what I mean? Very mm-hmm. much, yeah. So, yeah. Um, and then you know, after that, it just kept building. That's, okay. that's dope. That's dope. So that's wild. It's almost like you found him on Ancestry.com, and then <laughs> and linked up like yeah. way before, way before uh, Rock was kind of a, a household name. Um, did you yeah. have a sense that he would be doing? kind of holding the space that he holds right now or was it just like this is dope to me well in my head he had that you know what okay. i mean because it okay. was just like he was so ill like everything i heard i'm like yo this dude don't miss like i'm hearing like the the un stuff like old busta stuff like um i you know i think like there was like you know at the time that i had like direct tv and they had like a hip-hop like station <laughs> right. or something like that yeah. and like i think somebody like stretch or somebody had some sort of show on there and they played uh raw deal on it like and this was before i knew rock too so raw deal was kind of like already floating around right and i heard it on there and i listened to the voice and i was like yo that sounds like it sounded like rock like and he didn't say it was rock but it's like i could hear the voice and i like put it together but I was like, yo, this shit sounds incredible. This is crazy. <laughs> and so, like, I don't know. In my head, I was like, yo, this dude is super ill. Especially when I, I used to go to, like, Aaron's Records on um, Highland back in the day. And they, I found, like, a UN, um, it was, like, a 12-inch. And there was, like, the Game of Death, uh, the Peach Tremendals, the song that's um, on the UN album called mm-hmm. uh, Game of Death. And there's like a B side to that where it's like rock has like three verses. Mm-hmm. Um, that's insane. Like I used to listen to that shit and be like, oh my fucking God, this dude is like on another level. And, you know, I didn't know really what the what was going to happen. But the, the, to me, he was like, yo, this dude is crazy. This dude is one of the illest right here. So it's crazy because his sound has gone through so many different mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like he has the faster rapping era of like UN stuff to like slower to, you know, louder to kind of more relaxed to he's gone through so many different changes. It's like, it's very ill. His, pro- his progression is something else. Yeah. So right before we uh, jumped on the call, I was listening to Bohemian Grove and I think that's one of rock's best songs and I love your work on it. And um, oh, awesome. it, it sounds so luxurious um as does some of your other work to me so just if you don't mind like taking that like kind of like framework like how do you approach making beats and like what is what is that what you're going for is it kind of like an elevated level i don't really know i just go with whatever sound i don't know it's it's uh i just make stuff and kind of uh whatever gets me excited like whatever I feel like makes me feel like I don't know either like yeah sometimes it's like a wow this is like a luxurious sound sometimes it's like a you know make your face kind of scrunch up type of 
vibe, but I don't know. Anything that gives me some sort of a feeling, you know, I, and some of, you know, I got stuff, all types of stuff. Like there's not really, I don't really put myself in. I think like we're, I've been working with rock and cod and they can kind of like cross paths on certain beats and then certain beats are like definitely sound more geared to rock or more geared to car. You know what I'm saying? But like, I'm doing a lot of stuff with my friend Chuck Strangers too, and a lot of other kids coming up right now. And I'll switch up for to just enhance whoever I got to do. You know what I mean? If I absolutely, like um, can we kind of transition into talking about Ka and specifically the Hermit and the Recluse project? Yeah. Um, I I would love to know how the idea to do the Greek mythology yeah. themed kind of album came about because it doesn't make <laughs> yeah. sense on paper, but it's yeah. so dope love that album so much yeah i have nothing to do with like the concept of it he literally came, <laughs> came to me with the entire concept of the album the group name everything and i was like word i was like let's go i'll come up with the sound that i think could work for that type of you know so it's like a the score theme, almost the theme you're giving me yeah it's like you get yeah exactly so like then we would you know, a lot of it, he was living in New York at the time. So it was like, he was coming out and um, sitting and listening to records. And and originally we met like on the, um, what's that? So Iron Age from Grief Pedigree. He did a video with Rock. And, uh, mm. they, he, and Rock was in LA at the time. So like, he came out to LA. So that was the first time we met. And then when he came through and I think I did a beat like on the spot for him. The first beat, the it's on... It's on the album. Uh, I'm so bad. I only I, I call a lot of the songs like the original titles when I titles of the yep. Producer <laughs> so, shit. I'm like, which one is it? I don't, you know. But yep, um, producer shit. Beat ninety nine. It was just Orpheus, <laughs> but like the uh, yeah. So, but uh, like originally, yeah, he came up with the title, the idea, and I just basically just came up with the sound and try to come up with the. Uh, you know, a way to score it, but not to like have it sound like the same type of like with like different vibes within one vibe. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Or it's mm -hmm. like you you are on a theme, like and they all are, it's like a cohesive piece, but they're all not. You wouldn't say they're similar, like exactly. Exactly, you wouldn't say this beat sounds just like this. Beat. You know, they all sound different, but they all belong in the same. So that's pretty much how he did that. Is he just came up with the group title and he came and it was out because he was like, you know, Hermit and the Recluse. Like, it's like, which one are you, Hermit Recluse? He's like, I could be the Hermit, you could be Recluse. But like, he's like, or we could just trade it off. Like, there's no like, actually, it's not a, like a definitive thing. It's just kind of like that's dope. It's, it's left. We'll hand. just both it's stay inside and see what happens. Yeah, it's just ambiguous. <laughs> like, people could think you're the Hermit or I'm the Recluse or whatever. You know. And you guys were very <laughs> early like, to. Uh, to the hermit quarantine lifestyle exactly <laughs> sick so did you notice after uh after the hermit and recluse record was there did you notice a kind of a bump in your overall awareness about your work did you find people going back to older stuff after that project like um i saw a bump but the, the album is kind of, I definitely saw a bump 
and then in a few different you know areas uh you know like a lot of like reviewers and stuff mm. and kind of like blogs picking up things that maybe you know because sometimes i feel like on like before a lot of the rock projects it would be like produced by rock marcy and others you know <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, i don't get no credit on this one like word you know <laughs> you know so it was, you know uh i even like yeah I just thought that was funny, but uh, <laughs> um, no, definitely it helped out. You know, like it's it's kind of funny because you know it, with Kai, he's such like a, a you know he's such a recluse dude that it's like you know we do a video, he tweets it once and it's over. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and I'm like, I, I remember being like, damn, I was like, you gotta get this video out there. I'm like, yo, you should tweet this like one more time or. Twice. He's like, yeah, I was like, yeah, twice. Like, you know, maybe people didn't see it, you know, just throw it up again. He's like, nah, I'm good. (laughs) And I'm that's on brand. I'm like, all right, but you know, it's that's his deal. That's how he wanna do it. I'm like, fair enough. Bye. You know? Yeah. And uh, you know, so it's like both because it's like we don't have promotion like that. So but I know like a lot of the stuff really got like I mean that that album went crazy, you know. Overall, like I get messages literally like every day, somebody saying like, "Yo, thank you for this." Mm-hmm. I'm like, wow, like I didn't even know it was gonna. I knew it was dope, but I just didn't know like it was gonna have like the sort of like sit with people where they just always go back to it like the way they do or talk about it to me. I'm like, wow, this. Is I've had I've gotten some really cool emails from people and just listeners saying like really really yeah. cool stuff like you know like i was in a bad place and you know that this album really got me through it and i'm like word that is that's dope. Yeah. that's dope so do you do you consider yourself to be part of kind of the la producer scene you've worked a lot with cats from the east coast and i know you've worked also with local but you also have this parallel to when the la beat scene was really developing did you did you feel like you were a part of that do you come from that at all uh, well i was like i did i did a lot of stuff back uh when there was like the root down and stuff like that like uh the homie dj dusk r.i.p you know he used to do these like la like um night uh like after hours downtown like under the bridge type stuff like um and you have beat sets and I would be in there playing beats and it'd be like Exile and uh, Gas Lamp Killer and like, and then just me on like an NPC. And it was like, be like, that would be like a normal thing. You know? It was just Tuesday. And it was, it'd be like, yeah, it was like, you know, they didn't even know who I was. I didn't really know, like, I was, everybody, it was weird. Everybody was like separate. I never got too deep in the beat scene because honestly, at that time, I felt everyone was doing, it was like getting a little too, uh you know everybody wanted like a, a kind of i felt like a dilla sort of sounding yeah. was like kind of like the you know the guys that did it good or had their own thing out of it and just like use that to like all those guys you know ended up where they're at and now which is great you know but i just felt like i don't know i didn't i did some beat competitions and stuff when i was younger and i was like you know what i don't i just want to do my own thing I don't really want to be necessarily in the just like play beats type thing. I just want to do songs for people. Mm. You know? mm-hmm. 
and I don't know. I feel like my beats aren't really like always meant for that type of, you know, setting, you know? Yeah. So, uh, no, it is what it is. Can we and talk I, a little bit about, uh, your work with the God Fahim and, um, kind of how you two connected and like, like I, I'm just fascinated with him. He puts out so much material. It's just, it's, he's a really interesting person. I just, just wonder if, can you give us any insight into like what his deal is? I have no idea. We didn't connect at all. Like, ah. You know, it was a complete disconnect. I sent, I like, uh, was on a call, called me on a conference call with Mock and, uh, you know, Mock Ami. And um, so Mock asked for beats and or he was like, yo, we should do something. So I sent him some beats and then he just told me like, yeah, I gave the God Fahim one of your beats. And I was like, yeah. okay <laughs> I, you know i you know it happens you know what i mean Does yeah it? interesting no, no i appreciate you being no, honest with us no, i'm always we never know unless yeah. we ask it's all good it's all good yeah. like i you know i don't know him you know peace yeah to him. totally peace, yeah peace, peace to him but it's just not you know sometimes there are real like oh you know you know all these uh stories of you know connecting with someone that's just one where it just uh, it ended up yeah the beat yeah. floated out and yeah, just floated it. out and yeah, exactly. <laughs> All good. Thank so, you. So, does this mean we there's a animus um, Makami project coming? <laughs> oh no, no, not at all. No. <laughs> nah, nah, Mark is ill though. But, well, uh, for sure, for yeah, sure. Yeah, nah, much respect to them dudes, but um, nah, like I haven't, we haven't been in touch. I probably should email him some. <laughs> That would be great. Uh, we would appreciate. But that. he's like a he's off he's like a quite like kind of off the grid like pod in a way. He puts out a lot of stuff, but you know I, I feel like he he's a little bit you know he's a, he's a behind the scenes kind of dude too. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, can we talk a little bit about your gear? We find when we interview producers, our listeners always want to know like kind of what's the rig, what's the setup, has it developed over time? Like if you can just kind of give us a little okay two minute. Tour yeah, of, of the studio. What do you use? Of course. Um, I use, well, when I first started, I used like just the 2000 XL, the MPC. Um, and now I'm mainly on the uh, 2500. Okay. I did a couple things recently on the XL, and the XL just sounds so good to me. I don't know. I, but, so you know, the 2500, you know, it's all nerdy stuff. But like, you know, mm -hmm. um, the 2500, it's just, it's so convenient. Like I was just talking to, um, I was just talking to evidence about that too. Like it was like the 2,500, it's just so easy to use. It's you just move quick. It's just hard to get it to sound good all the time. Like it's like when you use the XL, everything just sounds good and you don't have to do any like sort of work to it. Low key, like the sample just sounds and the drums like sit right and they all fit together and like glue together and then there's kind of like on the 2500 it's a little i don't know it's a different sound but mm -hmm. i'm still mainly on the 2500 for like just working fast purposes and and then i use pro tools and i have like a you know like a, a good turntable and really just records it's a simple setup um I, you know i use the apollo twin like interface i have like a 303 that i use sometimes um, I have a 404. I don't use that too much. I'm just like if I'm on the go, 
So yeah, like NPC is like my main my main thing. Okay. Yeah. Right. I'm always, I've been an NPC guy like forever. So that's, dope. that's like. Well, so um, what are you working on, man? What what can uh, your fans expect um, coming out soon from? Um, a lot of the, the like working with the same guys, um, um, and people I've known that I've uh, known for a minute that we just never got songs done, but we've been friends for a while. But now now we're doing some stuff. Um, really, like I'm excited about. Um, Chuck Stranger's album. I don't know if you know um, yeah. Chuck, but he's uh, from Pro Air. Yep. Um, and he's like, dude, that dude is, he's a special dude right there. Like he, um, he has songs and they're so good. And his, uh, I was just talking about like how he's really just become one of the, um, I've never seen a guy like improve as much as him in like rap to like, like to being like uh um like his younger bars you know he came in the game really early you know he's mad young so like you see like songs like from the tombs and which is like a good it's a great song it goes up at all the shows and all that from which is dope um but like you listen to him now and his like verses are like yo this is like you're on a whole nother level now That's so it. it's really ill and i'm super hyped to be involved in that i got a lot of beats a lot of songs with him so like right. that's like a that's like a big one and obviously so, more rock um, yeah more rock stuff um right. and um i did i did something with evidence recently oh that was, that's really oh. good uh that came out really crazy so um and uh damn i don't even know i've been working on a lot of just beats and keeping them and trying to come up with ideas like for like a project like me producing a project of my own with people I know involved and stuff like that so mm. I've just been you know kind of building that and playing around with ideas for that have you um you have a, you have any interest in putting out like an instrumental album um yeah a bit but um I would want to First, I want to put out a project with rappers, then put out an instrumental mm. version of that, and then mm. I'll probably do an instrumental gotcha. thing, like on its own after that. Like, type of thing. Right. I don't. Yeah, I probably I would. I would at some point. At some point, I'm going to do that. <laughs> but no. I'm, I, now I'm just trying to do songs with people and just get to my get these good songs. And there's a lot of good guys right now, so it's like right. You know, and then and then it's cool. A lot of them, you know, like. A lot of the kids coming out now, like they they know about rock and cars. So mm -hmm. when I when I talk to them, they're like excited to work, and I'm like, wow, this, this is awesome. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. Got the uh, the pedigree, the pedigree coming in now. Uh, so so we will be on the lookout. You got a? Is it a project with you and Chuck Strangers, or is you? You're no, I'm producing for his uh, for his uh, album. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then he has. I'm sure we'll probably do like some type of like you know EP or something at some point. You know who knows, but whatever. That's my that's my man. So you know, I, I did one on his first album too. Okay. Um, that's already out. Um, okay. And uh, but the you know the new stuff uh, we got a lot more. So. Sick. So um, that's that's one that's like I almost feel like you know like I got like a. A good batch on there, so I'm I'm super hyped about that. 
Sick. Well, we uh, we appreciate you coming on um, and chopping it up with us. We'll definitely be on the lookout for new music coming out. And man, just man, thanks. Stay safe and thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, thank man. You Peace. Yeah, yeah. Peace. 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 Peace, man. Thanks, Peace. man. Dabod Rap Pod, thanks for sticking around. This is another power-packed episode. Shout out to Sun Ra for joining us. Shout out to Animos, uh, smoking a blunt with us. I really get jealous when we're on Zoom and the guests are just like smoking a blunt and like I can't smoke in the house. <laughs> I'm like, it's, dude, it's kind pass. of funny. Like I, I really try to be sober, or like you know, we used to do our little a third of a glass of wine steez when we would be able to be in the same room together. And I always enjoyed that. But uh, the only time I've ever not been sober was for the call out culture about portion to say. of the other show. I had to oh, go we're on the other and pod. the vape pen. Yeah. Like, oh, on someone else's show, I can let my hair down a little bit. Yeah, I don't that's... have any responsibilities here. I just have to spew hot takes. Yeah. Nate pulling on the vape pen, talking long shit. That was a, <laughs> that was a good time. Apparently um, offending um, our loyal listeners, which I'm okay with every once in a while. <laughs> absolutely. And, and we may get into more today um, with this segment. So it is of last week, I believe, was the 25th anniversary of uh, the release of Mob Deep's second album. Right. Right? Uh, the Infamous. And there was a lot of, uh, you know, fanfare to do, as, as happens with these type of anniversaries. Um, and it really brought me back and started kind of a side conversation among us about where does the infamous uh, kind of land for you? Looking at a brief kind of sampling of our, of our Twitter following, which I tend to think does trend more East Coast um, in, mm -hmm. in uh, UK. Um, for a lot of folks, this is a really foundational record. It's, it's, it's considered a classic and we talked a lot about on this program what constitutes a classic so we just wanted to get into it a little bit uh i want to i have some thoughts about this i actually um listened to the infamous in its entirety today again just to kind of get re-familiar and i i want to just go through kind of how is it held up is it a classic is it regional classic um uh, all the things, all the things. Mr. Dave Ma. Yo, uh, yo. Shout out to Dave for not wearing prison gear. This is like your furlough <laughs> gear. Uh, Getting that stimulus check, man. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> shout out. Shout out to you, 1200 bucks. Um, right. So the infamous. What, what is your 25 years later? What is, what is your take on it? Has it aged well? Is it the classic that many people say it is? I think it is a classic, but I think on a personal tip, it hasn't aged that well. And before people get go uh, crazy, I think um, what's important to me is that it's the album is a mood. You know what I mean? It feels mm -hmm. like somebody just threw a dark cloth over your head and, and it's paranoid and, and it's grimy. 
but I'm not, I'm not always in that mood. And, you know, I had, I, I had my time with that album um, when it came out, you know, mm. I found, I, I think it's interesting because they went from juvenile hell to that. And usually when artists go to a bigger label, I think they went to loud for um, the infamous. Okay. Yeah. Um, usually when you go to a bigger label, you get more polished, but these guys got more grimier, you know? And so, yeah, I mean, yeah. I appreciate that. Um, I, I love the guest spots. I, I love that little interlude where they just go acapella in, um, right. in, in the middle. Right. Um, again, I, I think the best part of the album is also the worst part. And is that it, it's too much of a mood. Like I'm, mm. I don't want to, I don't want to walk in the rain every day. <laughs> for, for 17 tracks. Right. That's but really having, interesting. Yeah. Having, having said that though, I mean, Ghost and Ray, um, Nas's verse, um, and you know, a, prodigy at, at his finest you know what i mean so i mean also, also you're, say, a, you're a big big noid guy as we know um, <laughs> dave doesn't avoid the noid <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> you're a huge big noid guy um i that's that's a really great point dave in that um it is totally a mood um and honestly i'll be honest with you and i'll 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 kick it to nate but to be honest it's a mood that where we were positioned, or I say we, the royal we of me and my hip hop friends on this side of the map, um, almost like a caricature. We used to call that like Dunny rap, kid rap. They'd say kid and Dunny a lot. Uh -huh. um, but but it was such it was such a mood. Uh, it makes you feel like you were actually in a queen's basement, um, straight up in in the middle of winter. Nate, what was your what was your kind of impressions of it, and and how was it a age for you? Um, just to, just off top, it's a hundred percent a classic. And I think it's position in the culture as a revered work of art is totally deserved. And then here comes the big, butt. but for me, um, it's not, it's never an album that I emotionally connected with. And you guys know, that's kind of my criteria for if I really fuck with something like I own this record, I own the singles, like, uh, shook ones part two is one of the greatest songs in hip hop history. And, one of those, if you had to describe what hip hop was to someone who'd never heard it before, a candidate to put on. Um, uh, but I'm, I'm agreeing with what you guys are saying. Perhaps it's West Coast bias, though I love a lot of East Coast records unconditionally. I do have a little bit of a condition on my, my interactions with this record. I never really, like, it wasn't a huge part of the rotation when I um, was, like, forming my musical opinions. It was something I kind of came to later. Um, so I didn't oh, really? get it okay. first come out. I, I, it wasn't a CD that I had. It was like until I started mm. buying records when I was a little bit of a later teenager that I started messing with it. I actually wish I could get in a time machine and listen to like someone like our buddy Paulo, um, DJ Cutso, who's a friend of the program and a friend in real life who like loves this record and like, you know, always had like a, a pant leg rolled up. As, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. as you right. were saying, Simone, it's kind of like getting into that Dunny kind of, uh, uh imagery and like lifestyle and just like even though he's west coast to the core it's like he he loved that kind of rap and really repped for it i kind of wish someone had told me back then that q-tip produced so much of it yeah right and i don't know if right. i was really advertised at the point i probably would have been way more into it because that was my hero at the time and so retrospectively i i say it's a great work of art but i, I don't throw it on that much right same same i think you yeah, it comes on right after Porter's Head's Dummy. You know what I mean? Like, it needs to be a sort of a gray day for me these days. Mm -hmm. And You go and from again, Dummy to Dunny? <laughs> <laughs> it's, um, 
again, its greatest strength to me is its greatest weakness, which is almost too much of a move. And, you know, and, and that's probably a reflection of, of my bad, you know. But, you know, another reason why I think people love the record and that it's, it's stood the test of time is Prodigy. I mean, yeah. He, he, yeah. He, he's up there in terms of rap idolatry. People just love that dude. And, and I can see why. He's the smoothest talking, coolest dude. Somebody on Twitter wrote that he made violence sound beautiful. Yeah. And yeah, that's true. You know what I mean? That's true. And that um, was really yeah. well said. And like, very, that really like took me back. I was like, damn, this, this dude is spitting. I was going to make a nose bone joke. <laughs> we have to address my lightweight underground hip hop, almost viral tweet where yeah. I, the, the people were posting those weird, like long swabs uh, that they used to do the COVID tests on like a military base. And I just made like a mob deep joke. I'm like, obviously there's a joke here and made like a mob deep about the mob, the thing. And then everybody who we know and like even people outside of it, like fucked with it and thought it was funny. People said tweet of the day, people DM. They're like, that was really funny. And then like six hours later when it was starting to peter out, people started coming in our mentions saying like, Oh fuck. No, I'm not going to get my nose swabbed like that. Or I would rather get the <laughs> disease than have that test. And I was like, I don't care about the testing, dude. This it wasn't this a suggestion. Yeah, no. Like, yeah, yeah. this is this is a mob deep joke, not a COVID related thing at all. Like, it's so weird how people. There's like a time limit on a tweet before people start taking it the wrong way. Right, Absolutely. right. It's the golden era of obtuse. Um, <laughs> but uh, obtuse what about you, Jamal? What about you, Jamal? What, what are your thoughts? <laughs> um, the infamous for me, um, don't be mob too. <laughs> when Nate hits a, a 300 re retweet. Um, it's really interesting because like I said, I, at that particular time, being, being an artist and a really a fan of West Coast hip hop, there was really this kind of rebellious moment where we were trying to kind of push away, accepting writ large, anything New York told us was dope. And so there was definitely, I remember with the Mob Deep record, it came out, or at least I had it around the same time that I had Dr. Octagon. Mm. And I remember feeling like the Mob Deep record didn't speak to me, although Shook Ones was obviously a huge record. Right, uh, right. But I remember thinking like, you know, I'm way more into Dr. Octagon. I'm way more into the stuff that Soul Sides is doing. I felt like mm -hmm. I had seen this movie. Um, to me, mm -hmm. at the time, I remember thinking, this is just kind of like an update on Black Moon. Like this mm -hmm, is just, mm -hmm. this is just kind of like a a, a kind of grimier version of Illmatic. Mm -hmm. I, I wasn't that interested. Now, over time, Prodigy's genius to hear early Prodigy and how he's putting his shit together, incredible. Um, yeah, definitely. I don't have a Rushmore or anything, but he's definitely one of the most unique and creative uh, voices to to ever be in the genre. Right. Um, there's that there's the q-tip influence which when you know it you can hear it like listening back I go it's really classic boom bap the infamous is very it's super grimy but every and this is like the best and the worst part to your point Dave every beat is like straight boom bap if anything straight got a boom bap 90 fucking four I'd be surprised 94 bpms like it's all totally kind of totally head nod uh you know kind of you know, what we think of our typical East Coast rap. And so mm -hmm. um, I would agree with Dave in that when you're in the mood for that, yes. There's nothing uh, better. As, as a person who grew up without winters, not <laughs> really for that often. 
Right. That's not, right. That's not really where I go with it. Can I do a quick poll? Have, sure. Out of the three of us, have any of you ever owned a pair of Timberlands and used them as your your daily shoe? Negative. I've owned a pair of Timberlands and... So have I. Yeah. Because of I, this, I, basically. Because yeah. of this and Wu-Tang, you know? <laughs> okay. they, weren't, they weren't like the straw six-inch, like, when it would not, you know, the ones on Jesus and Marrow's bear, but um, <laughs> I had some Timberlands, that, and it's definitely because of this. Sorry, I just had to ask. No, no, no. I think that orients you. If you owned a pair of Timberlands, right. this is a huge album for you. Um, and which, the, the, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Sorry. But, you know, it's, it's one of those things where um, I love how passionate people are about it. It's kind of like when you drive by a Fanime Con when that's in town. Right. And I'm like, right. I'm not into it like you guys, but I, I admire y'all passion. Right. I'll watch yeah, some uh, like reruns of the Speed Racer though, you know? Yeah, yeah, for, exactly. <laughs> I vibe with it on some level, right? Like I'm like, yeah, no, I played a lot of Mario Brothers. I get it. Um, but I feel like this record to me and kind of I'll try to wrap up my statement here. Um, it's the beginning of their genius to me. It's not, it's not a definitive statement. It's not the end all to be all. Mm, mm. In my opinion, Shook Ones is so much, I'm gonna get flamed on Twitter. Shook Ones is so much better than a lot of the stuff on this album. It's Agreed. So I, Agreed. I, I really fixated on that um, when at that time and totally gave all praise, you know, uh, rock you in your face, stab your brain with your nose bone is an right. all-time classic line. Like it's endured. We got 300 retweets out of it just last week, 25 years. Right. So I admire the cultural impact of it. Not my fave, um, but I think it was a signal of their their genius that would develop over time. Even on that record, I don't think Havoc is even really in his bag. Like some of this stuff is like kind of repetitive. Like he kind of. Mm -hmm, he even uses mm -hmm. the shook ones, mm -hmm. whatever vacuum cleaner sound on <laughs> right stove, light, stove lighting, right? Yeah, yeah, which is such perfect that, that click that whole thing. of lighting the stove. No, no, there's this weird kind of I don't know if it's a an accordion where it's like oh I get what you're on, saying. It's on shook ones and it's on the QU track as well, and I was like gotcha. But um, you know, I totally agree with you, Damone. I feel like um, a lot of the the other songs on the album just just sound like lesser versions of shook ones of shook ones right you know which is by far the standout yeah and and it's one of those things where um there's many factors in a classic album i think one is geography i think there for people there are people on this podcast who will never understand how good uh the original e40 and the click album was <laughs> you will just never have the antenna to get that and i mm -hmm. couldn't blame you if you didn't because you kind of had to be in a particular area at a particular time to understand what was dope about that. New York always has the push of, we are New York. And so what's dope to us is probably just dope across the board. And totally, totally. And that's totally true in most cases. Um, may be true in this case, uh, being slightly heretical, but. Um, and even more specifically, I mean, Queensbridge, Queensbridge, you know what I mean? Like, it's just the best shit came out of there. So of course they're going to like puff their chest out. Like I, I get it. I totally get the territorial factor. Absolutely. But absolutely. come on. 
<laughs> I, I think it's I think I differ a little bit from you guys on this because I do listen to a lot of Baria and West Coast music, but I never let it define my tastes. Like I don't think the first E forty and the click record is better than this. Like and I wouldn't if I was I don't think I would be I if I lived in Vallejo. Hey, hey, don't don't false dichotomy me right there. <laughs> no, I didn't say that. I didn't say that. I, I know I said, but if you're from Philadelphia you don't have the antenna to understand what was cool about that record. I don't mean to misquote you. I'm just trying to make my point, which is I never let being from here define my taste that much. It right? informs like, it. It, it informs it deeply. It informs your taste. Yeah. I can like so many other things. Like I've like gone out on a limb for some uh, pretty bad uh, replayed funk sample mob music here. Yes. Um, and that, I have a taste for music like that because I grew up listening to like the 18th song on, you know, mid-level two short albums. And it like makes me feel good to listen to music like that. But like, I, I don't think like Bay Area music is the best music because I'm from here. I, I think it's pretty clear the best music or at least the music that I like the most has come from New York for most of my life, maybe not right now, but if you include Rock Marcy and Ka and all that stuff, know, and it, maybe, maybe it is right now. Yeah, and it's still. like through various waves of hegemony and reconsideration and like my fandom changing there. I do. I just, I, I think I'll end here. New York has exceptionalism for a reason. Yeah. 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 It's, 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 the the birth of that. it's the birthplace. I don't listen to reggae from other non Jamaica countries, a little bit of the UK, you know what I mean? I'll right. recommend you some shit, dude. I got some Dutch and some Japanese I think you would fuck with. Okay. <laughs> please, please send it my way. But yeah. it's, there's, there's, New York is New York for a reason, but there's also kind of, uh, especially at this time when this record came out, there was just a, a backlash against that, against that. As In a your friend group. group. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I would say it was across the West Coast. Listen to a, a project, Blowed, from 92 to 95. Oh, 90. they were on some fuck New York for sure. But that doesn't make me as a West Coaster adopt that position. I did. Yeah, I, that's, I what I'm, that's why I'm saying in your friend group. Like, you guys, you guys went on that train. I never was on that train. I lived here too. I was just like, I, I like both. And it's, there's nothing stopping me from liking both except for I, my I, access I'm, to cadets. I'm speaking you know to I mean? it was, but, you know, to give it proper breath it wasn't just me and the homies like it was uh an adopted way amongst a certain type of backpacker yeah and it's interesting too because you were like rapping and so you're like hanging out with rappers i was just hanging out with rap fans right and And who were mad who were literally mad like we we were like oh we're tired of being kind of force-fed uh certain tropes certain sounds Fat Joe is really the the marker where everything gets crazy. Where right. Fat Joe getting booed off stage at the bloat is the like the defining moment of this. Kind of. And we're kind of going out of that. So there's I say all that to say there's records that I know I took a pass on that I have to come back now and be like, okay, now that I'm not being a rebellious child of New York, I have mm-hmm. to say, like, okay. Um, yeah, so the infamous, uh, I, wanted, I want to give a little shine to some of the folks on our timeline. We had some friends chime in uh, this afternoon. I asked on our timeline, at DadBodRapPod uh, on Twitter, um, what, what makes this a classic album, the infamous? What makes it a classic album? Uh, gang, shout out to Gang, who's been on the program. He tweeted, you really want to release the Kraken, huh? It's actually the perfect album. Not one skip, skits are short, even and have become like those on Enter the Woo, part of the greater 
narrative, cultural phenom, prodigy raps, atmosphere you can damn near taste, to your point, David. It's it's heavy on, on atmosphere. Mm, park bench. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> mm. Brown weed. Um, uh, Zilla Rocca, who you may know from, uh, from the takeoff uh, episode. Shout out to Zilla Rocca. Um, his reasoning, Prodigy, who is the best rapper ever. Two Q-tip beats plus a verse, who is the best rapper producer ever. Rest of the beats from Havoc, probably the third best rapper producer ever. Verses from Ray and Ghost, who dropped Cuban Links that summer. One verse from Nas, post-Illmatic, Big Noid. I'm not sure why Big Noid was mentioned, but um, uh, Alaska says it still bangs. Shout out to Alaska. Um, I want to do one more because I, I dig this account. Argentium Spectrum. Friends? Of, no. Uh, there's a near constant atmosphere of confusion and danger. The violent lyrics negotiate righteous self-defense and sociopathic crime. All of this is punctuated with brief, brief episodes of debauchery. Um, That's cool. I yeah, like that is cool. Yeah. yeah. So uh, our timeline has their say. Uh, we, in, in synopsis, we got murdered on the ghost face Iron Man episode. <laughs> like, we don't like it. I think we're saying we like it. Maybe not as much as you do. Um, but uh, I would definitely... I think classic has a lot of things to it. And in the broadest definition of classic, cultural impact, things that inspired, classic songs on it, I'll, I'll go, I'll give the infamous a, a, a classic rating in this. Uh, I thought you weren't going to. I was going to be like, wow, dude. Right. I know, I know, I was close. You let self-Jupiter define your uh, <laughs> worldview too hard for a couple years, dude. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Uh, where can the, people? Oh, go ahead, Dave. No, 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 no. Go for it. No, I, you <laughs> please. Well, that, now the moment's way past. <laughs> yeah, uh, man, I was just going to head us in the direction of wrapping up. Like, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Where where can people find us? Do we have anything we want to plug? I have one thing I w- we want to plug. The mix. Hey, hey, you got anything yeah. you want to plug? I do. <laughs> we were invited to be guest selectors on uh pulling from the stacks another podcast run by dj ian head and uh our mix went live you guys are hearing this on thursday yesterday wednesday um and it's selections from all three of us interspersed with a little bit of stuff from the show it was really fun to do if other people want to invite us on their podcast we will likely want to do it with you we're uh doing a lot of collaborations this year in part to spread our listenership to their listenership and theirs to ours. And just to generally keep building the community that we keep talking about, um, around the show. And this was a cool way to do it. We, we've discussed so much internally, how much music should be on the show. And this is like a 95% music thing. And I have to say, I learned a new song from this, from Dave, that lucky I am song. You're so good. I've listened to it probably like, Oh, 25 times during great. the mixing of this, I had completely written off his solo work because he's kind of an asshole. Mm-hmm. And I've had weird interactions with him in person. 
And I, I love that song, dude. It's so catchy. It's so catchy. And he sings on it, which, you know, goes against our first rule. Of rap totally. Music. Yes. <laughs> oh. Singing is too much singing. Any. <laughs> Who's the West Coast Homer now? <laughs> 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 the legend over here. But, uh, pulling from the Stacks, available on SoundCloud on uh, DJ Ian Head's uh, feed. We have posted the link on our social media. And I'll just text me i'll straight up send it to you um if you want me to so yeah i just wanted to throw out a plug and thank ian for um including us in his series which has had some pretty cool people contribute mixes over the years absolutely uh i that was a cool kind of project to go be like find weird rap songs um <laughs> definitely check that out uh, as you may already know you could find the dad bod rap pod uh, on Twitter at Dad Bod Rap Pod, on Instagram at Dad Bod Rap Pod. You can stream the program on kiki.co.uk, Google Play, Spotify, Apple, all that good shit. We are part of the Pantheon Podcast Network, over 50 uh, music related podcasts, and we are. They actually have some interesting thing today. I believe today the press release went out. They have oh, yeah, launched yeah. the first ever HD podcast. Not us. Not us. You're not listening <laughs> to it. Not yet. Um, but We're one of the track. reasons that we got involved with Pantheon um, was that they are kind of innovating in the podcast field. They're, they've launched their flagship show that the founders of the company both worked on called rock and roll archaeology, which might be a little bit outside of the interest of a lot of our listeners, but some of you might something to get, find something to get out of. It's kind of like a PBS style documentary, much like Dave's shirt and uh, a visual joke. From <laughs> audio. Audio. My bad. Um, but uh, yeah, they, they've launched it in HD, which is basically lossless. So instead of hearing an MP3, you're kind of hearing the wave and you're hearing it as it was meant to be heard. And that may come to other shows on the network at some point, including us. So if you guys have to listen to my awful laugh even clearer, you'll know who to thank or not thank. But um, yeah, super cool thing. And like, I'm interested to listen to it now and just see if yeah, that affects my experience as a listener. Yeah, how, how documentary style one like that. Like, there's a lot of work that goes into producing a podcast like that, and I respect that. Hell yeah! Um, so we're happy to uh, to be part of the network. Um, it's all music on Pantheon. It's all music related podcasts. We are we are kind of like the the hip hop little mini wing. Uh, there's us, the list, house list, house, house list. list, house list. Um, are two of the two of the hip hop programs on the network, but Definitely check it out. Uh, tell a friend. If you haven't already, and the numbers say a lot of you have, uh, check out the takeoff episode that happened last week where we did a royal punditry rumble with the guys from Call Out Culture. Um, it's pretty, actually pretty hilarious. I mean, I don't usually pat our own back on comedy, but it's, it's <laughs> pretty funny. Um, Nate is just coming off a, a 300 retweet a joke so he kind of he's feeling himself. <laughs> um, but it was it was a really fun concept it's something that you're going to see more from us uh in the future um as we take hip-hop argumentation to the next fucking level um dave has received death threats about his narzir <laughs> will be fighting uh, alaska wanted to fight about one and now uh now uh jihad uh, yeah. wants to wage jihad against right. oh, I was just going to say yeah I was going to beat you to it <laughs> um, 
So yeah, check out the, the takeoff episode that we did last week. Also, uh, we encourage you to check out call out culture. We did like a takeoff of the takeoff on mm. call out culture, uh, where we responded to the takes that we did the week before. Um, so just a lot of shit talking last week, a lot of Curly Castro yelling at his cat. <laughs> and I think, uh, just wanted to give that a, another bump and make sure people try to check that out. If we're doing, uh, geography or whatever people say about the uh the jordan documentary where uh it's like you 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 review yourself um it seems like you guys really liked the j live 38 special uh interview episode which is very interesting to me i think j live kind of uh fits a lot of boxes for the kind of thing we talk about and it was a good interview but you wouldn't know that if you unless you clicked so i'm so curious of which shows do big numbers and while we're doing this i have to just say for those of you who didn't check us out the week that the world went to shit, uh, our atmosphere episode with yeah, Slug lives right. on and its numbers are way out of whack with his level of popularity. And right. like, I just, I just want more people to listen to that. It's like, a great interview. It, yeah. Quality. Such interview. a good episode. Pat, patting so hard on my back. I'm going to break my arm here, but um, a lot of work went into that scheduling. Thank you, Dave, hosting Damone, figuring out like how to, how to present it. And then, right. you know, the bottom fell out of the economy and everyone got told they had to stay home indefinitely. Totally. It's just, it's just not, it's not cool. So it was a bad atmosphere? No. no. Hey guys. Life gave us lemons and we painted them bronze. <laughs> um, atmosphere. Oh, I'm sorry, dude. No, no, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm stepping on your jokes. All no, no, no. I, I, the timing's ruined once again. <laughs> yes. Um, maybe if you wore prison garb and not a, not PBS t-shirts, I would respect you more. Um, so that, that is, uh, I guess that's a program for this that's week. That's the show. Uh, Wait, hold on. Dave. Darko the Super for the Beats this week. Oh, word. I've mentioned it on the show when I know who I'm going to use ahead of time. That rarely happens, but I knew this week. So, yeah. Thanks, uh, shout out to Animos for coming on. Yeah, absolutely. As well. And, um, you know, uh, shout out to his recent work with uh, Ka. Dude, and, uh, so good. Looking forward to everything he's doing. Yeah. I, I, uh, I believe the, he alluded to this on the show, and now it's out. The first single from that Chuck Strangers project right. is out now, right. too. Oh, is it? So, okay. Yeah, he's, he's, <laughs> he's doing big things. And yeah, when Damone has listened to the Ka record, and uh, we will have a deep Bible discussion about that <laughs> Absolutely. at some point. <laughs> That's right. Because um, when when we dropped the Adam and Eve ads, we had to bring back something. Oh, uh, y'all didn't buy no butt plugs. Y'all didn't buy no dildos. You didn't buy no butt plugs. We lost Adam and Eve. Y'all happy? Y'all happy? All right. Um, all good. Dad bod rap pod. Please tell a friend. We appreciate the hell out of y'all. Later.